welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. We're here this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Recently, I, uh, I preached a message, well not too recently, but within the past year, I preached a message on, on how God likes to call uh, the little guys, and the underdog, the ones that no one else sees potential in. Those are the ones that God likes to use, right? Because uh, he, he gets to shock the world by showing them what he can do with hardly anything to work with. And so we're kind of, I want to kind of pick up with that story uh, today. We have Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. He brings out all of his sons. He hears that, uh, that the prophet Samuel is coming and he is going to anoint the next king because God has chosen the next king and, and he is one of the sons of, of Jesse. And so Jesse brings out all of his sons, those that he f- sees fit for kingship. He brings out the best, the most handsome, the tallest ones, the one with the best build, the ones that hit the gym. They, they make for great warriors. They, uh, they look the part of a, uh, of a king. But David, he leaves outside, and, and we talked about that. But I want to I pick up with this story today. And I believe, man, I believe God is going to speak to some of us this morning. This is a very timely message and I'm going to ask that uh, we don't have a lot of movement this morning because I really want you to hear what God is speaking. Amen. First Samuel 16, 10 through 13 it says this. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Amen. I've entitled today's message after anointing. I heard a clip the other day uh, from from Australian uh, evangelist Christine Kane. Maybe you've heard of her. Uh, she's an awesome, awesome uh, evangelist and awesome preacher. But she said in that message that we have lost the significance of anointing. We have we have lost. This generation has lost the significance. We don't place very high importance anymore on anointing. That's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. And we kind of have to lay the groundwork a little bit. So I'm going to do my best to, to define exactly what anointing is. I'm going to ask that you just stay with me for a second. We have to get through this part because I want you to understand. I want you to leave here today fully understanding what this anointing is and what it means to have it. Anointing was used in two different ways in, in the Bible. We see one, uh, anointing means to, to rub or to smear with oil. So you're, you're rubbing oil over something. And it was used mostly for medicinal purposes, hospitality purposes. So when we read uh, in James, we read that verse that says uh, to pray for one another, pray for the sick and anoint them with oil. That does not that Greek word that he uses does not nece- necessarily have any uh, spiritual significance to it, because in Jewish culture, Jews would rub oil on their wounds for medicinal purposes for cleansing themselves 
oil was seen as a, as a curative agent. So perhaps a 21st century you know, Western equivalent of that verse would be like James saying, pray for one another and take some medicine. <laughs> take some Tylenol. You got a headache. You got, you got some pain right here. We're going to pray. And then, hey, go, go see a doctor. Okay, because that's that's what oil was used for in in uh, these biblical times. Now, we see another form of anointing, uh, mostly in the Old Testament, where, where they would anoint kings and priests and prophets and anything that was going to be used for God, anything that was going to be used uh, in, a, in a holy or sacred manner. They would still rub uh, oil on the person, but this time it wasn't so much for medicinal or hospitality purposes. It was to make a formal dedication to God. And that is the type of anointing I want to talk about today. You're with me, right? I don't have that many stories this morning. I'm, I don't know how funny I'm going to be. Sorry. I think, I think that we no longer, church, um, we don't really use this first form of anointing anymore where, where we rub oil on things to, to cleanse ourselves of diseases and, and, and stuff like that, right? I, we, we don't really use that so much. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the Hispanics do, right? Vix. Uh, Vix is an oil. It's a vapor rub. Got Mexicans anointing their kids on their feet. <laughs> but for the most part, I don't think that we use oil for that, for that purpose. We say a prayer. We lay hands on each other. And we do our due diligence. We, we take care of ourselves. We, we you know, take prescribed medication if we need to. We go see a doctor if we need to. right? But I, I also think that we've lost the significance of sacred anointing. And, and we think that, that if you're going to be used in the service of God, all you have to, all you have to be is, is talented. And all you have to be is... is, is um, an intellectual. All you have to have is an education or experience. And, and all of those things are good, church. But they should only be sought after there is a recognition of an anointing on a person's life. Anointing. Listen, if you guys are writing down, this, this is the definition that I want to give you. Anointing is a symbol of consecration and dedication to what God has already chosen. I'm going to say that again. Anointing is a symbol of consecration and dedication to what God has already chosen. For example, Messiah. The word Messiah comes from a Hebrew word, uh, Meshach. And it literally means the anointed one. Jesus was the anointed one. He was the chosen one. He knew exactly what he was called to be. And that's why we read about him being 12 years old in the synagogues, being, led, being taught by these, these leaders being, being uh, fed all of this education and this training. But, so he was seeking uh, knowledge. He was seeking education. But it was only after recognizing that he had a responsibility to his anointing. Church, the question that I want to ask you this morning is, are you failing to take seriously the anointing of your life? I want you to think about that for a second. Maybe you've never thought about your anointing. Maybe you've never thought that you were anointed. And maybe you're in ministry and maybe you're doing all these things for God. But have you failed to recognize the anointing in church today? Man, we have a lot of people who want to be leaders. They want a position. Some of them want to take the stage, but they never seek an anointing. And we have people trying to put themselves in these positions and, and force themselves in certain areas of ministry. 
trying to make their own calling, but have they ever considered, has God called me to this? Because church, if you're chasing something that God hasn't called you to, (laughs) and you're working on something that God hasn't chosen you for, you can't be expected to, to receive an anointing for it. You might be good at it. You might be organized. You might be smart and talented and knowledgeable, but the anointing trumps all of that. And we have to place significance on anointing. Remember, we're talking about sacred anointing, okay? A formal dedication and consecration to God for something that he's already chosen. Now, there's good news. You guys ready? There's good news. 1 John 2, 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One. But you have been, that doesn't make you excited, but you have been anointed by the Holy One. Verse 27 says, but the anointing that you received abides in you. What's that mean? That means that as a child of Christ, having received Christ, having been anointed by Christ, you also have this anointing over your life because Jesus is the anointed one and you receive the anointed one. That also means that you are an anointed one. Just when you thought the message wasn't for you. You're about to tune out. Babe, I'm, I'm not anointed. Let's go eat. <laughs> let's, let's beat, let's beat uh, Sunday Rush. You are anointed. My young people, you guys are so anointed. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know for what. I don't know what God has chosen you for, what task he's got you to do. But, but I do know that my God has plans for you. That's what his word says. And he knows the plans. He's working it out. He's got the purpose right there for you. So again, are you taking this anointing that you do have seriously? I believe that if we started with the anointing and we treated the anointing as a responsibility, we would begin to see more leaders rise, more Christians be a voice, more Christians being diligent with their work, more Christians rightly representing the church because that's what the anointing calls for. It's a sacred and and consecrated lifestyle to the Lord. We'd be more effective because what we would be doing would not be because we called ourselves to it, but because God has chosen us for it. I don't know if I'm getting through this morning, but man, the, the anointing, the anointing is so important. And here in this passage, we see Jesse is about to let his other sons steal David's anointing because the other sons have everything that David didn't have. Everything. David was kind of like the, 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 the small one, the, the runt. He was the youngest one. He wasn't fit to be a king. And I'm afraid that we have a lot of people today who who won't step into their calling because they're looking at what everyone else has that they don't. Maybe that's you. I remember a few years ago when God was beginning, you know, to work a little bit with me on the idea of, of becoming a pastor. I remember I, I would compare myself to, to everyone else that I thought could be great pastors. And I would look at them and I would look at myself and I would look at them and I'd look at myself and I'd look at them and I'd look at myself and I would start making comparisons and I would, I would say, I would say, I, I don't, I don't care enough about people's problems. That was the truth. I just didn't care. I didn't care to hear what your struggles were. And I tried, but I just don't care. 
I do now. I do now. Okay. But back then, when God was working with me, that, that was my excuse. God, I don't care enough. That guy over there, he's always in people's businesses. He'd make a great pastor. Not me. Can I, can I, say, can I say something to, to Marisa this morning? <laughs> uh, Daniel, sorry to put you on the spot, Daniel, but, but he, as he was giving his, uh, you know, his kind of overview of, 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 the disciple, of the last two weeks, he was under me. He kind of shadowed me for the past two weeks. And um, one of the questions that, that Renee and Bami asked, what, do you think that you're called to this? And he said, no, I don't think I'm called to be a pastor. And you know why he said that? He said, because I don't care about people's problems. <laughs> and I was in the back thinking, wow, okay. <laughs> but that was me. And I would look at everyone else and I'm like, man, these guys, they're so compassionate. They're so empathetic. Like, I don't have empathy. I don't, I barely have sympathy. Like, I, I wouldn't be a great pastor. I, I even started to question. I, I, I even started to question my own beliefs about certain things. Church, I thought, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step into a, a, a Pentecostal church, and I thought to myself, man, I'm not conservative enough for a lot of Pentecostals. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's some Pentecostals. That, you know, they would, they would call sin something that I would, I would never call sin. They expect me to get up there with a suit and tie. And, and I'm like, that's, that's not going to be me. That guy, he'd be great. This guy would be great. And I would start. That's what I would do. I would just compare everyone else to myself. And I know that there are people today that are struggling with similar insecurities. And your inaction to step into your calling is a result of you thinking that you're not good enough. You're not good as, as some of the other competition out there. And you're looking at them and you're looking at yourself and you're looking at them and you're looking at yourself and you're judging them so highly and you're judging yourself so low. And, and, and you know what? Maybe, maybe they do meet more items on the checklist than you do. Maybe they do. Maybe when it comes to talent, they got you. Maybe when it, when it comes to education, they've got a degree or two more than you do. Maybe they have years of experience and you have none. So maybe they have more stuff than you do. But just because they have more stuff doesn't mean that they have more value than you do. All you need is one thing and that's an anointing over your life. If you have an anointing, you know what else comes with it? God's calling, God's approval, God's provision, God's power, God's direction, God's guidance, everything else. You have God's stamp of approval over your life. If you have the anointing, everyone else could have everything, every resource known to man on their side, but they will never be the one for the job because God chose you. And you got to believe that. And you got to stop comparing yourself to everyone else before someone steals your anointing. David's brothers, they had it all, man. They, They met all the items on the checklist. But when the prophet comes in, he stares them up and down. Like, no, no, not. God hasn't cho- chosen any of these. Thank God there was a prophet of God there, right? To oversee some things. It was good that there was a man of God there who, who was able to discern who was right for the job. We don't always have that luxury. But you know what? I'm willing to bet that there was someone else who, who had the inside scoop. I think that there was someone else who, who wasn't too worried about anything. And that was David. And I, I can't prove it. It doesn't tell us that in the Bible. But I just, I feel, you know, it's possible that David had some insecurities. I can't say that he didn't. But I'm willing to bet 
that he at least had some inclination that God had chosen him for something. Because the Bible says, uh, the Bible says that David was a man who loved God. He was a man who went after God's own heart. What does that mean? That means that, that David longed for the things that God longed for. That means that David grieved for the things that, that, that God grieved for. So maybe David didn't know to what extent God was going to use him, but he knew there was something there because he was so in tune with God. And if you're in tune to God, you know that God is tugging at your heart. You know it. You might not want it, but you know there's something there. So I think that David was outside. He was tending his flock. He was just waiting for a moment. He knew it was coming. He wasn't about to get impatient and antsy like some of us do. I don't think that David had his ear up to the door listening in on his famous conversation with the prophet. I think he was just outside doing his thing. He was being obedient to his father and diligent to his work. He wasn't worried about anything. That's the beauty about being in the center of God's plan. So beautiful, man. Because you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about, am I in the right place? Does God really want this for me? And what, what am I doing in my life? I, I, I'm, I'm, not in, I'm not in my purpose. You don't have to worry about that. When you're in the middle of God's plan and his timing, man, you're just going with the flow. That's a beautiful feeling, church. It's so peaceful. We talked about God's plan last week. How some people like the plan, but don't want to wait for God's timing to align with what he's got planned. So you're always getting antsy, telling God, hurry up. Whenever we take Layla on long road trips, she's always asking us, how much longer? How much longer until we get there? And it, I mean, it could be five minutes. It could be an hour. It could be 10 hours. It doesn't matter what the answer is. She always says, oh, it takes forever. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes like she didn't even want to go anymore. Like she's done. She's done with this exciting trip that we've planned for her. We basically do the same thing with God. When we're waiting for something that we already know is coming. Maybe you got a word and, and, and you're, man, you're so excited to receive it, right? Some people, I might be talking to someone this morning. When they know that something good is coming, they want it now, right? Are you that, are you that type of person? Like when you know something good is coming, you want it right now. You might not even know exactly what it is, but you're just so excited and so impatient that you get frustrated the longer it takes to get there. You got some people, man, you can't. You can't tell them that you have a surprise for them because you got to you got to prepare to 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 let them know what it is because they will bug you until you tell them. Melissa and I are the worst when it comes to surprises. We never surprise each other ever. We can't we can't have a a really nice anniversary because we can't surprise each other. We look up to people like Stephen Jr. That man Jr. like plans this elaborate full day itinerary and it's like every Every, every next step is like, Stephanie's like, what is, what is it going to be? I have no idea. I wish I could be like that, man. <laughs> man, when, when Melissa and I were, were dating, that, that's, that's how long ago it started, like when we were dating. Like, I couldn't even go into the store without letting her know I'm about to buy something for her. <laughs> like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm here at Sephora. What you want, girl? Right? And, and, and now, I mean, we didn't, even, we didn't even buy each other gifts, man. It's so sad. Like, we just, we look at each other like, what's our spending, what's our spending limit? And then, boom, we go our separate ways. We buy our own gifts. It's, it's pathetic, guys. It really is. But, but some of us are just like that. And so when God says, I have a plan for you, some people are like, well, what, what is it? What is it? You, you're going to make me successful? 
Am I going to be the next leader? Am I going to be the next pastor? You're going to, you're going to give me a raise. I'm, uh, you're going to make me the CEO. What, what is it? Tell me. Oh, is it a financial blessing? We love those. Those are the only, only kind of blessings we want sometimes, huh? <laughs> and because we don't like to wait, we start filling in the blank in our minds because God has yet to give us any more information. And, and because we start doing that, we start believing that something is coming that God never promised talked about that last week we're waiting on a promise that god never made he said that something was coming and you're starting to claim your own blessing god never don't put god's don't put your words in god's mouth if that's you this morning i just slow down slow down and wait and don't go so fast that you forget about the most significant element your anointing that's why god chose you in the first place Because you're special. Because you have something that other people don't have. Don't throw it away because you're trying to fit into what God has chosen you for. God already chose you. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to prove yourself. David was outside tending his flock. I I don't think that when when the prophet came in that that David David started doing push-ups. I don't think that was the case. I don't think that he started, you know, doing pull-ups or showing the prophet, all the tricks that he could get his, his flock to do. He was just doing his thing. He didn't have to prove anything. He didn't have to prove anything because God already knew that he wanted him. Now it was just a matter of waiting. Say waiting with me, church. Waiting. Some of you are in that period of waiting. God has called you. He's chosen you. You don't have to prove yourself. All you have to do is guard your anointing. Keep on doing what you're doing. David could have messed up. He could have messed up. He could have been too desperate. He could have been too impatient. He could have walked into the room and said, hey, homies, this is my kingdom. I'm going to be the king. Don't even think about it. Don't bend the knee. Tells his brothers, bend the knee. I'm king. He could have made a bad impression. He could have, David could have left his responsibility to tend the flock and that would have told something to the prophet. That, that would have said, this guy's just going to sell out when he gets a better opportunity. Be careful how you respond after the anointing has become evident in your life, church. After God has placed that calling in your life. Because remember, because of Christ, we're all anointed. We're all chosen for something. You might not know what it is yet, but you're called. You're appointed. You are purposed. And because of that, the most important thing that we can do is take care of the anointing so that the moment God reveals further instructions to us, all we have to do is walk into the room and take it. You with me this morning? I want you to notice something. David was called into the room. He was called into the room. Samuel, he says, nope. None of these. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? I mean, God sent me here for a reason. Jesse, come on, what's the deal, man? None of these sons are it. Well, I got David. He's the youngest. But he's outside tending the flock. Oh, you mean he's working? Is that what you're telling me? You mean he's being responsible. He's taking care of his responsibilities. He's being diligent. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Go get David. Go get David. Come here, David. Where my David? Come here, David. 
Joseph. <laughs> he's, my, he's my David today. He's my shadow this next, these next two weeks. He and Melody, and I didn't think it was appropriate for Melody to play David. <laughs> the, word, the Bible says that Samuel says to Jesse, go and get, go and get David. Go get him. Notice that, that David didn't have to rush in there. David didn't have to, he, he, he didn't have to push his own timing. He didn't, it wasn't about David's timing. It wasn't about David's agenda. It was about, hey, I'm just going to wait until the moment God calls me. And until that very second, I'm going to be taking care of my responsibilities. I'm going to be working. He comes, he comes into the work. He gets escorted in. I just imagine him kind of like, you, you are kind of small. I looks him up and down. Oh. Yep. This is the one that God has chosen. He smells like his own sheep. He's got sweat dripping down his face. He's a little dirty. He didn't have time to get dressed and clean because he was out there doing God's work to the very second that I called him. That's what it's about, church. That's what it's about. It's about waiting for God's timing to the very moment. David, David, he didn't drop off everything at an opportunity to elevate himself. He was taking care of his responsibilities up to the very minute, and God said, okay, David, now it's time for something else. And the scripture says, that, that it was then that they anointed David. That is, they consecrated him for what God had already decreed a long time ago over David's life. See, even though David hadn't been formally anointed up, up until this point, he still had the anointing of the Lord hovering over his life. He was still anointed by the Spirit, even though he hadn't been anointed with oil yet. And today, church... Every single one of us has that same anointing. 1 John 2.20, you have been anointed by the Holy One. Maybe you haven't fully stepped into it yet because you, have, you don't really know what God has planned for you yet. You're in a period of, of waiting. There's two things that you can do. You either let that anointing go, you continue to, to delay what God wants to do in your life, or you take care of it with the diligence until the day God calls you to his purpose. That's what I envision for every single one of us, church. If we are going to be powerful and effective members of this body of Christ, we can't be off in, in a different position where God never wanted us to be in because we're making our own calling and because we're filling in the blanks because God has yet to reveal further instructions. You are anointed. Don't worry about that. Just sit back and wait till God gives you his plan for your life. I'm going to ask that we stand this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you bow your heads this morning with me, church? Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word. I thank you, my God, because for some reason, you've chosen us for your work. For some reason, my God, you have chosen to anoint a broken people, Lord. 
You've called us, my God, for, for greater things, my God. But maybe we've been comparing ourselves to other people and we've, we've hindered our own anointing. We've, we've hindered your purpose for our lives, my God. Forgive us, Father. We want to be this morning so in tune with your spirit that the moment you say go, we go. That the moment you say get up, we get up and we start walking. Holy Spirit, give us more of you. Give us more of you, my God. So that we can step into our calling, my God, and never miss what it is that you have for us. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.